Welcome to Books the Podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we're booksmen. Yeah. But not I wasn't sure. Not me this week. I'm not reading. I got the I, mean, I got the month off reading. <laughs> Good. I mean, you wait, you've been waiting for this forever. <laughs> well, I've been waiting actually to get back to um uh, uh in the middle of reading uh, uh a novel uh by uh Mr. Tom DeLong of Blink-182 fame about uh, the UFOs. A novel? or a, like It's a, a novel. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> it's pretty good. Well, he, he had a co-writer who I'm sure wrote the whole thing. Um, and actually, John Grisham? <laughs> uh, well, and actually, it was kind of stupid because, like, when I read about it, it was like, yeah, I got this co-writer. He's like a freaking Shakespearean scholar from this university or whatever. And... Uh, Maybe that I'm sure that's actually true or whatever, but it's like, yeah, but I don't want to read <laughs> uh, a novel written like Shakespeare. And it's not. It's written like John Grisham. It's written like a thriller. And it's like, oh, that's cool. yeah, great. That's yeah. That's, and it's got aliens in it. That, yeah, it's got not yet, but a lot of alien technology. I'm only three quarters of the way through and there's no aliens yet. <laughs> no, I'm like uh, probably a little less than halfway through. Okay. Uh, and, uh, multiple characters, you know, multiple points of view. Uh, one is a, uh, a Holocaust survivor who is like going between present day and the past when these like not when Nazis were working, supposedly like working on, uh, technology they had recovered from a crashed UFO, which, you know, that, that theory has been out there for years and years. And then one's like a uh, military, U.S. military pilot who um, like screws up a mission in Afghanistan because a UFO like locks his weapons. Man, so Tom he, DeLong hates the troops. Well, he gets thrown out, but he gets to join the CIA and gets to go to Area 51 and become a test pilot for like their, their UFOs. Hmm. So not bad, ultimately. If you ask me Sound, yeah he I landed like on his feet and uh and then took those feet into the sky and and then another character who's like a young woman that her dad was like a billionaire and she was like you know the typical like rebellious billionaire teen not teen like young young person that uh you know is like working overseas uh you know like a, a humanitarian aid uh, to try oh, those and, jerks well like trying to like you know make up for her dad's like doesn't want to be her dad okay. wants to be the opposite but then her dad they everybody thinks he committed suicide but we the reader know no uh some guy came in his office and was like well you knew this day would come uh get to it and he just like walked to the balcony he's like ah son of a bitch and like walked to the balcony and jumped off Tom, you really seem to be enjoying this Tom, Tom DeLong book. I, it's pretty good so far, and it's supposed to be a trilogy, and this is only the first book. Tom, uh, my high school ska band opened for Blink-182 at a college one time. Wow. D did you talk to Tom DeLong about aliens? No, I talked to the drummer, Travis Barker. Oh, yeah. Um, about the Aquabats. Oh, a band right. That, yeah. A ska band that he had recently quit, but I didn't know that. And yeah. I didn't know who Blink 182 was because I was. Or I knew Damn It. Damn It was out at that point, but this was right before Enema of the State came out. Yeah. And I was like, 
hey, you play drums in the Aquabats. He's like, yeah. I was like, when are you guys going to have a new album out? He's like, I'm in this band now. <laughs> yeah, don't. 2082. <laughs> Aren't you noticing that I'm in a different band? Yeah. I don't know. Those punk drummers often uh, pull double duty. That's true. Yeah. Not him. Oh. And this has been Blink-182 Talk <laughs> with Tim and Tom. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to say before people get all upset at me about Tom DeLonge, I am aware that some people think he is a, a misinformation agent, that he is actually working for the government, putting out misinformation. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I like that you need to address this. Well, I just, you know, I don't want people attacking me. I know I'm not saying I believe him. Uh you know, uh, I got an open mind about everything, except Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar is a liar. <laughs> okay. Um, moving on. Um, Tom, this week, or this month, look, we screwed up a little bit. Do we, mm-hmm. Will you admit that we screwed up a little bit? With with Halloween month? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's tricky with, with uh, books of podcasts to kind of, uh, you know, schedule things out. We we've been able. I to, mean, we also put. We could put a lot more thought into how well, we schedule it's hard. Things. It's hard enough to schedule things, but yeah, it's even harder for us to figure out. Like, oh no, wait a minute, we need to figure out how to do X for Halloween month, which is nine weeks away. So let's read <laughs> a book this long this week. I think we did all right. The, I picked two supernatural Sweet Valley High books. It's not my fault they sucked. Yeah, no, I think I think you know you got angry last week when I claimed that we weren't reading scary books, and you were like, "Well, these were the two scariest I books I've tried. ever read in my whole life." I didn't know. I thought those books were going to scare the shit out of both of us. I thought we weren't <laughs> going to be able to sleep for the month. They would be so uh, terrifying. I couldn't sleep at night because I uh, caught all my Z's while uh, listening to you talk about those books. By the time bedtime <laughs> came around, I was like, I'm not tired anymore. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Oh, I should mention a uh, follow up from last week. I uh, uh, watched that movie Host on Shudder uh, mm. and it was great. A, it was very short, 55 so minutes. Short. So amazingly short. It scared me so much that I had a nightmare that night about ghosts. <laughs> I mean, you have a nightmare about ghosts. I don't know. That's one of the reasons why I've been more into things lately, like uh, supernatural things, is because I finally stopped having so many terrifying nightmares about them. (laughs) And then uh, I had this terrifying nightmare that uh, uh, I was like in my room and I was like, I know there's a ghost over there uh, out of the corner of my eye, but, you know, it's invisible. All right, I'm going to I'm going to pull a surprise attack on it, not attack, but I'm going to quickly grab this blanket next to me and throw it at the ghost. And I did that, and even though the ghost was invisible, the it, the blanket landed on the ghost. And uh that didn't prove anything for me. All that proved was that there was a ghost and it made me very it made me so scared I woke up. That that was a dream though, not real life. It right? was a dream. Hopefully it was a dream. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, well, it, well, we'll it's hard see. to tell nowadays. We'll see in this book that I'm reading, Tom. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes what do you think is a dream isn't always a dream. Yeah, Tim, I don't want to embarrass you on the podcast, but I did notice and on the Patreon you misspelled cemetery. Um, Tom, I'm I'm going to have to uh correct you on that actually. 
um, cemetery is spelled uh, in the title of this book the way that a child would write cemetery. Oh. S-E-M-A-T-A-R-Y, which is really annoying. Oh, that uh, seminary. That's where priests go to school. No, this is this is cemetery where they where they bury dead bodies, Tom. Oh, okay, I see. It's a spooky book, Tom. Guess what? It's a spooky book. Yeah. Well, hey, it's still Halloween month according to my I watch. Hope it, well, actually, it is <laughs> still Halloween month for another another two weeks. So, yeah. so half half the book it's Halloween month. Right. Didn't you say it's not Halloween month? No, I said it is Halloween month, according Uh, to my watch. My Halloween watch, Tim. I bought this nice watch just to keep track of when it is and when it's not Halloween month. Yeah, and the the minute and second, uh, the hour and minute hands are made of bones. Yeah. I'm I'm actually a little afraid that this watch is cursed. Yeah. It's gigantic, too. You have to wind (laughs) it all the time. Well, it's made out of uh, 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 cat bones. So, and cat bones are pretty big. It's made out of two thigh bones, the, the hands. A thigh bones, and a, a, thigh like and a femur. It's you're reading the same book as me. A femur? No, femur is the thigh bone, right? I think so. Yeah, the shin, shin and femur. I've never broken, I've broken toes, but I've never broken any other bones. Um, man, it would really stink to like break your, your thigh bone, huh? Yeah, I think like when you do that, you're like laid up for like. Yeah, you're months. like really screwed. I get it. And it's, and I broke it's, my. Seems like it's also very hard to do. So <laughs> when it happens, I'm sure it's unbelievably painful. Yeah. I broke my collarbone when I was a wee lad. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that's like one of the worst bones you can break. Yeah. Yeah, because um, that's hard to like immobilize. Yeah. I fell out of bed. That's how I broke my collarbone. Wow. Drunk. Drunk. A (laughs) drunk child falling out of bed. Yeah, the guy's five. Unbelievable. Um, Maybe a ghost did it. I I don't have have no reason to believe that a ghost did it. Tim, it's Halloween month. Play along. I know. No, I'm not going to play along. Maybe a ghost did it. Yeah. No, that's too scary. (laughs) Okay. Um, You were saying about you were going to ask me a question? Have you ever read Pet Cemetery? No, it's not. It's your week to read. I didn't read it. I'm not asking you if you're currently reading it. It's a classic. Uh, I've never read it. It's one of Stephen King's most classic books. Would you Would you agree with me? Uh, I mean, it's one of his most well-known books, yeah. And it seems like people really like it. In the introduction to this book, Tom, He's got a lot of written, well-known books, though, to be honest. Yeah. Um, in the introduction to the book, he says uh, this is his uh, scariest book. And it's it's like a uh, a more recent introduction that he's written? Yeah, it was from September 20th, 2000. Okay. He, d- he Just, didn't know what was about to come the next September at that yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, less than a year later. Then you want to be... He, he considers this the most frightening book he's ever written. Um, it may not be one that scares <laughs> he readers. Considers the most. it the most frightening book he's ever read. <laughs> uh, but based on the mail uh, that he receives, he thinks uh, the scariest one to readers is The Shining. Okay. Um, but he says, but the fear bone, like the funny bone, is located in different places on different people. I don't think that's true about the no, funny, the funny bone, bones. Though. Yeah, I think he's he's talking metaphorically that people have different senses of humor. And people have different senses of fear. But honestly, that's like a bad metaphor. 
Yeah, Stephen King's a shitty writer. <laughs> this proves it. This is finally once and for all. Um, Tom, let me uh, let me give you the rundown here, Stephen King. You give me a yay or nay if you've read it. Okay. Carrie. No. The Shining. Nay. nay. Night Riders. Tim, I've read very few Stephen King books. If you're Creep gonna... Show, Cat Eye, Silver Mo- um, Creep Show Two. What are these movies? Oh, these are movies. <laughs> <laughs> these are just it's just a list of scary movies. <laughs> Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street. I've read eleven twenty two sixty three, and I've read uh, three of the Dark Tower books. I believe those. That's all the Stephen King that I've read. Really, you haven't? You didn't find the need to uh, finish the Dark Tower series? Um, it's one of those that I keep uh, meaning to go back to, especially because I keep hearing that the fourth book is uh, the best book. Okay. All right. Well, um, I tried reading uh, those books when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like them. I the really liked the that, first one. The first one was good, and it was pretty short. Uh, it always distracted me. I tried to read the first one a few times, and then I would always get um, there's like grass that is like uh, called Timothy. <laughs> And uh, every time he read it, you said, oh, me? <laughs> well, I didn't know that. that was, and, he, and You know, I was like eight or nine. And he was just... Uh, you were like, eight or nine trying to read this book? Yeah, I was very advanced. Wow. Um, or the Dark Tower, the first Dark Tower yeah, book. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was like, oh, Obviously he set off across the Timothy. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know what this means. And I would always get caught up there. And it would always get me off track. And then I like would read a few pages and realize that I was still thinking about what that meant when it yeah, said Timothy. You, you sound like you were a very, very advanced reader as a child. <laughs> I realized, I'm not paying attention to this. Probably this is a little bit over my head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's especially why I'm surprised. Uh, I mean, when I was uh, like around that age, like I remember reading like uh, uh whatchamacallit, Jurassic Park when I was probably like 10 or whatever. Yeah, you read like Michael Crichton books and Stephen King books when you're a kid. Yeah, Uh, but I would think that The Dark Tower is uh, is a difficult book for a kid just because it's dealing, that book is, you know, all metaphors and like exists in a very weird world that you just kind of drop into. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand the yeah. first twenty pages. The five times I tried to read it. <laughs> yeah. So if you're out there, you're listening to this show, and you're eight or nine years old, eh, wait a few years before you yeah. you give the Dark Tower a stab. Loved the movie though. <sighs> that man, I watched that movie, and like I couldn't believe it's just so um, weirdly disjointed. That like it's not a movie, but it's also like not a setup for other movies. Um, and I I think I've talked on on this show before about it, how there are, there's at least one scene I remember where all of a sudden the characters are like, all right, well let, now let's go to the warehouse and continue this conversation. And it cuts to the warehouse and like they have different haircuts, and it's obvious that the previous scene was a reshoot. 
um, right. where they just went to a random location to have a conversation that, you know, changed a bunch of stuff and, and put out a bunch of exposition and then continued on the story, especially because like they, the, the, you know, one of the characters is pretty young as a kid and you're watching this and you're like, that kid was like a year older in the last scene. That kid has gone fully gone through puberty since yeah. the last scene. It's a real shame because uh, uh, Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey, I thought, were were really great choices uh, for for those characters, for Roland and the Man in Black, and uh, they were just completely wasted on that. Matthew McConaughey on a press tour right now, Tom. Yeah. For his for his new he's book, he's really making he's making the rounds. Yeah, well, and like Matthew McConaughey, I feel like you don't see him playing a villain often, and uh, he's a good he's good as a villain. I'd like to see yeah. him as a villain more. When he appeared in 1997's Contact, Tom, mm-hmm. he was the hunk of the moment. <laughs> he was the hunk of the month. I remember watching like uh, Extra or Access Hollywood when uh, Contact was coming out, and they they referred to him as Hunk of the Moment. Matthew McConaughey plays this role. They had um, no idea that it was not just going to be for the moment. I know. I mean, he's not the hunk of like 2020, though. No, but he's, he's more of like the the laid back party guy of 2020. Yeah, he's still a hunk though. People still think of him as a hunk. Do they? Oh, my mom does. I feel like uh, I, I ask my mom uh, every time I talk to her, "Who who are the who are your current hunks, mom?" Yeah, inevitably it's always just, just one, Tommy, Matthew, Maddie McConaughey. Yeah, yeah, she likes him better than she likes you. Her own <laughs> well, son. That's, well, that's just not true, from what I understand. Uh, I saw Tom. Uh, I talked to her. Uh, I saw her in Dunkin' Donuts the day after Christmas last year. <laughs> I remember, Tim. You bring that up a lot. Um, Tom, uh, should we talk about Pet Cemetery? Yeah. Do you know anything about Pet Cemetery? Uh, Have you seen either of the movies? I haven't seen the movies, but from what I understand, it's like a, a cemetery where pets are buried. I'm not being funny here, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but they come back to life. When they're well, buried got, in that, thanks for spoiling it for me. I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten there yet. Um. <laughs> I didn't know that. Great, thank you. Well, well, forget it. I guess I won't even read the book. Um, Tom, this follows the creeds, but not Apollo Creed, and not uh, Clearwater Creed. Is that what they're called? What am I thinking? Clear Creedence Revival, Clearwater Revival. Yeah, yeah, them. They have Creed in the name, I guess. Yeah. Creed, yeah. the band Creed. No, uh, it's Lewis Creed. Oh, okay. Um, and his family, and they move from Chicago, Illinois, Chi Town, Tom. Yeah. Um, home of uh, the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> yep. And they that, move to a, a nice piece of uh, local flair there, Tim. <laughs> really setting the scene. Tom, if you had to guess, they're moving to a different state mm-hmm. from Illinois. Okay. Where do you think? Uh, the Creed family is moving to at the beginning of this book? Uh, probably California or New York. Keep in mind, there's a Stephen King book. Oh, Maine. They're moving to Maine. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, as with all Stephen King books, uh, does the Dark Tower take place in Maine? Parts of it do, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, when 
Stephen King writes himself into the book <laughs> and the man who like uh, ran him over him. to Van. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Tom, uh, Lewis Creed is a family man. Mm-hmm. He's a doctor. Okay. He has, like, I think, like a well, five year Well, why didn't you old... refer to him as Dr. Lewis Creed before? Because um, I just, I have no respect. I don't respect medical doctors, Tom. Oh, he's a medical doctor. He's an MD. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, he's got a five-year-old uh, daughter and a mm-hmm. two-year-old son. Okay. The daughter's name is Ellie, and the son's name is Gage. Okay. Does he have um, a partner? Yes, his wife. Uh, he's happily married to mm. Rachel from um, Friends. Uh, yeah, Rachel Green from Friends. Huh. Uh, she's played in the book by Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> right. That's in parentheses after the first time <laughs> the character is introduced. <laughs> yeah, actually, every every new chapter, whenever the first time she's she's introduced. Well, that's helpful. Yeah. Um, or sometimes in every subsequent chapter, it just says Aniston. Right, yeah. But it sets up, you know, because I always wondered what she was up to before Friends. Yeah. Yeah, she was uh, living in a pet cemetery. <laughs> so he moved his family, and he's like, look, I got a job um, at the University of Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to run their infirmary. So okay. they have like 10,000 students or something. He's like, uh, uh, you know, it's yeah. basically a, a small city. Right. I'm running the infirmary. Um, good paying job, Tom. $65,000 a year. Yeah. This is 1983. He buys uh, yeah. a huge house in Maine um, right. with like miles of, of uh, you know, uh, land. Yeah, that checks out. Was, uh, you know, back then it was probably also uh, very cheap to buy a house like that in Maine and a lot of land. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's 35 years old. Okay. Um, and I feel like I started reading this. It, uh, you don't find out exactly how old he is until like a few chapters in. It's like, well, this guy's a grown up. This guy must be fifty. <laughs> right. So it made got, it made you feel bad because you haven't even finished your residency yet. That's true, Tom. I, Tom <laughs> it's crazy. That's the only thing stopping you from getting your medical license. Finishing my residency. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't like doing it. I just don't like going there. I don't right. like going you to the hate hospital, hospitals. Tom. Yeah, I'm squeamish. Right. Grosses me out. The human yeah. body really kind of just freaks me well, out. It's again, Tim, that's why I think you shouldn't have gone into trying to be a doctor. That's nah. a lot of a lot of wasted money if you're not going to do that Chasing residency. Chasing that 65k a year, my friend. Um, so, uh, what was I going to say about him? Oh yeah, yeah. So anyway, he and his family they move there. It's a big house, um, uh, and it's a it's a culture shock. They're coming from the city, right? soon as they get there ellie's running around she's great she's like oh this is great yeah um they they're locked out of their house by accident because he's a goofball mm-hmm. um the baby gets stung by a bee ellie falls and and skins her knee and then uh their neighbor from across the street this guy uh, judd uh comes over and from i know the what real you're world? thinking Judd from the real world. No, Tom, I saw the episode of the real world the other day on Pluto TV uh-huh. um, where Judd's um, newspaper gets published. <laughs> when in, he takes all the extra copies? His car- yeah, and I, 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 I took a picture of it on my phone. When he, I, I caught yes, Judd send that in to the me, act. Please. Yeah. Oh, son of a I'm going to make that my wallpaper. 
<laughs> we got you, man. We, dead to rights. We're calling the cops, Judd. <laughs> yeah. The statute of limitations on uh, stealing all those newspapers has not expired. He'll have, he'll have puck breaking I'm pretty, out of jail. I'm pretty sure Judd still lives in San Francisco, too, so. Yeah. Well, not even outside their back. jurisdiction. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, their neighbor, um, Judd Crandall. Okay. He's this old man. He's in his 80s. And he's like one of these guys that talks in a heavy Maine accent. And he's like, oh, I got your hair. Right yeah, I'm not real familiar with the Maine accent. You don't meet many people from Maine. No, it's kind of like uh, I only know it from that state sketch where Thomas Lennon keeps going, takes all kinds. <laughs> takes all kinds. Takes all kinds. <laughs> yeah, he's like this kind of guy. Um, he's an old man. He's like, hey, I live across the street. I've lived here my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, every night I'm out on my porch drinking a beer. Join me for a beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lewis uh, lost his father at a very young age. So um, this is a potential father figure for him. Yeah. And it's like the first line of the book, like, uh, you know, that he meets his father figure uh, in his 30s or something. Um, never expected to find a father as he entered middle age, but that's exactly what happened. Wow. Sounds yeah. like between that and pointing out that uh, uh, Rachel is played by Jennifer Aniston, he's really, uh, you know, uh, 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 putting everything out there, letting you know. Yeah. No similes or metaphors, just, hey, here's what it is. There's a father figure. This is Rachel Green from Friends. I like this, Tom. It just, it gets to the point. Yeah. Um, he you moved know what? to Whenever... Maine. You know Maine. It's where all the scary stuff in my books happen. That's what he says. Of course, they're moving to Maine. He does. He does mention Derry, Maine. They're not oh, okay. in Derry, but he mentions it. He but mentions, they drive through. Uh, yeah, or like, or he, they can see it over the hills from their house. Yikes! Um, they mentioned a rabid uh, Saint Bernard that went on a killing spree. Yeah, that's Cujo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, uh, he mentioned uh, the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion. That's the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> well, then that's um, weird. That I don't. I'm not. I'm no longer sure what universe this exists in. Um, so um, they have a they they have this road. This you know, it's a big road that they're that they live on. It's a big mm-hmm. house, big piece of land, and big house, big the road. Only, the only thing that really comes along this road, it's like a two lane, so it's not like it's not like a big road, but all these big trucks come. Okay, um, from like I think like an oil refinery somewhere or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but they often come fast, and there's a lot of foreshadowing. Something's gonna happen with yeah. these trucks. Yeah, and Judd even mentions to Lewis, he's like. Watch the little ones and the pets around around the uh, yeah, the, the big, road. The These trucks, trucks come fast and furious. These trucks have taken a lot of pets in in yeah. my day. Mm. Um. So anyway, uh, Judd and Creed, uh, not J- Judd and Lewis Creed, uh-huh. hit it off. Um, and uh, you know they just hang out a lot. That's nice. Um, and things happen. Uh. Lewis and Rachel, they have a good marriage, okay. um, but like, there's this one uncomfortable sex scene. Nice. Where like, I don't know. One I of just think they shouldn't. They shouldn't have sex scenes in books. Um, <laughs> God, you are a, you're like a prudish librarian. 
you, do you want to read like Tim, these let two your hair take those, in a book? Take those glasses out and let your hair down. I think you'd look sexy without them. Uh, Tom, you're talking about... Listen to this. Uh, <clears throat> uh, this is on page 20 for anybody leaving, reading along, Tom. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Lewis says something funny uh-huh. while they're lying in bed. This yeah. isn't part of the sex scene. <laughs> and then this is this is this is Stephen King's writing. <clears throat> Rachel laughed so hard she broke explosive wind, and then <laughs> nice. both of them laughed so long and loudly that they woke up Gage in the next room. There's yeah. farting in this book, Tom. You'd love it. Great, I'm I'm on board. Um, that happens. Whatever, it's fine. the 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 kid goes to school. Um, um, Judd's wife uh, has. Uh, arthritis so bad that she can never really come out in 1983 was arthritis a thing that was just like (laughs) when you got arthritis your life is over um yeah i mean it it can still be a thing yeah Yeah, some arthritis is tough to treat i believe yeah no this is just like you know i and i I think especially if you you get it when you're young then i think it, it can be very bad yeah but she's in her 80s Oh, um, well, that's, uh, you didn't mention that. Judd's wife. So this is, oh, Judd's wife. I thought it yeah. was uh, Lewis's wife. <laughs> you thought the 35-year-old man married an 85-year-old woman? Yeah, because then I was like, oh, this isn't a Friends prequel. This is like, uh, you know, Friends 2099, like when uh, Marvel Comics did like Spider-Man 2099 right. and, and Punisher 2099. That's exactly what this is, Friends 2099. Um, whatever. Um, they go, Judd uh, comes over one day while they're mm-hmm. just hanging out in the in the, in the the yard, and he's yeah. like, hey, there's this whole big path here. They talked about this path. Their, their property is huge. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, all the kids go up there. There's a pet cemetery up there about a mile up mm-hmm. um, through the woods. Um, let's all go for a walk. And the family is like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And they go for a walk. Um, and, uh, you know, Ellie, the little girl, she's running around. She's running up uh, ahead of them. Yeah. And uh, he's like, now, Ellie, never come in these woods without a grown up. Right. You know, if you stay on the path, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you get off the path, this just goes miles and miles and yeah, miles and you can to, get lost. to uh, what they're calling Indian land. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm not sure if we're uh, if we're calling it that, mm-hmm. uh, but for the sake of uh, the uh, being accurate to the book, that's the way they refer to it. Um, well, uh, unfortunately, Tim, I am going to have to cancel you. Damn it! I am going to have to start a, a, a cancel campaign. We're going to run you out of town. <sighs> I've just been waiting for you to slip like this. So anyway, they go, this pet cemetery is in the middle of these woods that go on for miles, mm-hmm. but it's so well manicured. Like somebody comes mm-hmm. in and like cuts the grass. There's so many, uh, because so many uh, pets have died on the uh, on the, uh, the road from yeah. those trucks. Um, uh, kids for like the, the, the markers go back to like the early 1900s out wow. there. Um, so they're looking at that and, and the little girl is like, oh, that's good. And she's like reading all of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
Lewis is like, ah, oh, this is nice. This is a nice weird place. On one <laughs> this is a edge, nice weird place. <laughs> on one edge of it is uh, a, a tree fall. Is that what it's called? It's like just a bunch of trees that have like kind of all fallen. Okay. Um, just a bunch of down trees that right. like, and. Uh, Ellie starts climbing on it, and Judd is like, "Hey, Ellie, you don't yeah. you don't want to be climbing on that because that'll yeah. that'll uh, that'll eat you yeah, up. That, that'll because... fall." Yeah, and so, um, whatever. But the whole time they're there, Rachel is just like, she won't come into the the cemetery, mm-hmm. and uh, she, you know, Lewis has all this thing, this whole thing about like. Uh, yeah, well, she's she's got this thing about death. She does not <laughs> <She's>... like death. <laughs> yeah. Her We're a weirdo. Uh, s- sister Zelda uh, died early in life mm-hmm. of spinal meningitis, and she mm-hmm. never got over it. Right. Um, and like so much of this book, Tom, mm-hmm. is about how time passes so quickly, and just a normal death is coming for all of us. <laughs> And um, must be a, a nice book to read as time takes on a very strange uh, cadence. Yeah, and like a guy who is at like a similar age to me, <laughs> um, recognizing all of this for the first time and just being like, "Oh, this is oh, this is all going to be over very soon," even if like things go very smoothly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a really uh, I don't know. You know what? I think Stephen King used to, I think like 10 years ago, definitely got a, gets a bad rap for mm-hmm. being kind of like, because he's prolific and because he yeah. sells well, that people think like, or people say like, oh, he's not a very good writer. I think he's a pretty compelling writer. Well, I think uh, it's not just stripped down all plot. Right. Like, they're, they're, you know, it's it's not like, overly it's not purple prose but like it's you know yeah there's uh i remember uh as a kid seeing a mad tv sketch of all things making fun of uh stephen king uh being a bad writer and i think luckily i think a lot of that the idea about that like if anybody's like a popular writer they're a bad writer is starting to go away because people are realizing like Nah, like these, uh, like prolific, extremely popular thriller writers. Like, no, that's like its own thing. That is a mm-hmm. skill. Like, just because, uh, you know, it, it's an easy, just because it's easy to read doesn't mean it's easy to write. Right. But even there is like a lot of, you know, I think it's exploration the same. of deeper themes than you might expect in just right. like, uh, uh, you know, a, a thriller or or a horror story. Yeah. Like, well, and I think you know it's the same thing with a lot of stuff. You know, uh, you know, pop music used to get such a bad rap, and I feel like you know that that people have come around on that and realized like, no, to write like a really good pop song is very difficult. And I like, always hated when people were like, pop music. It's so easy to write. Yeah, and anyone like, can make pop these people music. Have no it's like. You know how much these people make who are who are making this music? Like, if it's so easy to do, who should do that? You'd be rich. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I feel like people are finally starting to kind of understand that about uh, popular things. 
I, yeah. I think because there there's fewer gatekeepers and now, you know, the floodgates are open where it's like, oh, if it's easy to make a pop song, well, you can upload it to SoundCloud and, and we'll see if it becomes a huge hit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and same thing with writing, you know, it's like, oh, you can you can publish that yourself on, you know, on uh, an ebook, And yeah, we'll see. Uh, What's that, you, an electronic book? An electronic book. Uh, nice. which you have to be careful with. They can shock you sometimes if you read them in the bathtub. Um, sometimes, uh, depending on the book, um, things shock me even when I'm not in the bathtub. You know, if I'm reading like uh, On the Road by Jack Kerouac, Tom. Sorry, <laughs> I don't really understand what you're <laughs> implying, but just that you shocking. read a, a shocking book. Yeah. Okay, I, I I'm get tired. it. Um, Tom, uh, the next day after <laughs> they leave the pet cemetery, mm-hmm. um, the next they morning, they stayed there overnight. Morning. No, they went oh, home. Oh, I day. see. Okay, uh, they went the next morning. Or they get up the next morning. Mm. Here's what Lewis is doing on a Sunday morning. Jerking off. He's no. He's sitting in uh in like his office or whatever, his home, like one mm-hmm. of the many, many rooms in, in his house. He hasn't yeah. been to work yet. Okay. Um, because they get they moved in, in the summer and uh classes didn't start. I feel like that September. happens in Stephen King books a lot too, that like people move into like a giant home and then don't have much to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, the shining for one. Yeah. But well, and I'm thinking about uh, Joe Hill's Lock and Key, uh, which, you know, it's Stephen King's son, like that. They move into a giant house in, I believe, also in Maine. Uh, I could be wrong about that. But like, oh, you know, work doesn't start for a while. School doesn't start either. Yeah. But like they're not like isolated or anything. They have they have their lives and yeah. they're doing things. He's sitting there on a Sunday morning, just in one of the rooms in his house, putting together a model car. Oh. And it's like he does things like that. He was he he was into ships and bottles a few years earlier. And it's okay, just, could you imagine sitting down and having a, po- <laughs> a, a hobby like that? Yeah, it'd be great. I think that's what life used to be like. Yeah, like, oh yeah, because in their were... like thirties would be like, okay, I have a hobby. It's not, you know, going to be monetized in any way. <laughs> right. It's not productive. It's just something relaxing it's just and for fun me. that I like to do. Yeah, yeah, that was the that was the craziest part of this whole book, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Well, There's it sounds like I do. You, you should get a hobby, Tim. You should go start collecting baseball cards again, maybe. <sighs> I don't think they make baseball cards anymore, do they? I think they do still, but I think you know they've got QR codes on them or something. <laughs> we'll never understand that. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, Ellie comes in, his daughter. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's this nice scene. It's a really well written scene about like how she clearly has something on her mind, right? But like, um, you know, it's very good character building where like he's like she does like play things close to the vest, even though mm-hmm. she's five years old. And if you come out and ask her like, "All right, what are you upset about?" She'll like recoil. And yeah, he's like, "Ah, oh, he li- he likes that about her that about that his he has daughter." To work it out like, of her, and also that like. He thinks that's a good um, quality to have to yeah. kind of be a little bit guarded around people and not show all your cards at all times. Mm-hmm. So there's this nice scene where, like, eventually, 
She's just asking questions. Just asking questions. <laughs> um, but then she's like, so, a pet cemetery. Why do pets not live as long as humans? And then he's That's like, a good oh, she. And their, um, <clears throat> their, uh, their cat. Church, Winston mm. Churchill okay. is hanging around. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I see what this is about. She's like, Oh no, my cat's going to die. Yeah, right. He's like, So he starts talking about death with her. And like, he has like this whole conversation about death. And he's, he's a doctor. So he's just like, uh, And actually, this is a, this is a really cool scene. And I hope this is like preserved in one of the movies because he's mm-hmm. just like, This has a lot to do with like passage of time and death and stuff where he's just like, Everything runs on metabolism, and a metabolism is just kind of the clock, and Mm -hmm. the clocks run at different speeds for cats and people, and um, it keeps everything, and uh, the cat's metabolism will tell it, you know, at this point, you're dead. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) this is over. And, like, um, I thought it was, like, a cool way to think about... uh, Lifespans. Aging and dying yeah. and lifespans, but also it like kind of freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> um, but anyway, then she like started losing it. And she's like, no, the, the Churchill can't, a church can't die. He's my yeah. cat. God can make all of cats he wants and take them, though, but not my cat. My cat can't die. And she freaked out. Yeah, challenge of God. Screaming and crying, and he had to calm her down. And then she like passed out and tired. And so he put her to bed, and then Rachel came in, Jennifer Aniston, everybody. Mm-hmm. She got an applause line when Woo! she, yeah. Uh, they had to pause for that, and then, uh, and she's just like, she didn't sleep at all last night because she's freaked out about death. You never should have brought her to that pet cemetery. And he's uh. just like, yeah, well, you got to hang up about death, you know, like, <laughs> oh yikes. And they get into this like knockdown, like drag out screaming match yeah um which as she's making a cake it's actually a pretty cool scene as well mm-hmm. but like at the end she screams i hate you wow um and then anyway whatever so between that and the sex scene i'm just like this this marriage is too intense <laughs> for me i don't want i don't want i don't want to be yeah a party it sounds like this. a very dramatic couple yeah, just leave me out of all this or just like <laughs> stephen king you don't have to tell us everything <laughs> Um, anyway, Stephen King, you ever heard of something called privacy? Um, he, um, goes and, uh, makes a note in the middle of the night because he can't sleep about it. And the next day he's starting work for the first time and he's just like, he he looked up in the, in the yellow pages, the number for a vet Mm -hmm. and he's like, I'm going to get church fixed. Um, that way he won't wander around um, and then wander into the street and get killed. Right. And uh, Rachel sees that as a um, peace offering from him because he mm. never want. He, he had this like '80s male protagonist <laughs> view of like, no, I can't get my pet fixed because that challenges my manhood or something right, like right, that or whatever. Yeah. It's like, but whatever. So they 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 become friendly again or whatever. The mm-hmm. the, the hatchet is buried. Um, and then he goes to work the next day. It's a slow day at the infirmary. Mm-hmm. It's his first day. He's learning things. The candy stripers are there for their first day. Yeah, and he, probably like classes around. haven't started yet. They have started because it's oh, okay. bustling outside. And then, boom, all of a sudden, the 
dying man comes in, Victor Pascal. Wow. They carry him in in a blanket. He was uh, jogging, and he was hit by a car. Oh, um, man. And uh, the car threw him into a tree. So, like, his brain is hanging out, and Ugh. his collarbone is uh, hanging out as well. Yeah. And uh, he's dying, and, like, everybody's running around crazy. Nothing like this ever happens at the end. Yeah. It's, like, the first day. It's, like, in the morning. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody's running around. They're trying to, like, call an ambulance to take him to a real hospital. Right. And uh, he, uh, Lewis is alone with him. Uh and you know this guy's just like making like noises and then as soon as lewis is alone with them he goes uh the guy goes in the pet cemetery and lewis was like wait what did you say (laughs) wait come again (laughs) um and then he said uh it's not the real cemetery and then lewis is like what and he and lewis is like this guy's going to die. This guy yeah, is yeah. clearly going to be dead within 10 seconds. And then uh, this Victor Pascal guy goes, uh, the soil of a man's heart is stonier, Lewis. A man grows what he can and tends it. And Lewis was like, how the hell does he know my name? Right. <laughs> um, Maybe he was wearing a name tag. And then he said something that I'm going to say here. No, I'm not going to say it. Um, he, he uses an outdated term for a Native American. Okay, uh, an offensive term. Uh-huh. Bring my fish. You know, he, he just seems like he's saying stuff. You know? Right. Yeah. Then he dies. Non sequiturs. Yeah. Then he dies. Mm-hmm. Um. And like everybody's like, "Holy shit!" And everybody's in shock. He has to give like a press conference and stuff that this yeah. this student died on the first day of school. Oh, so it was a student. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A twenty-year-old. Um. And then he goes home, like, he, he stays there late, and then his wife calls him, and he's like, you, you gotta come home, man, like, and he's yeah. like, yeah, okay. She comes home, he comes home, that's when they have their sex scene, which is weird, she bathes him and uh, jerks him off in the bath, <laughs> um, and then makes him dinner, and then they have sex after dinner, wow. it's really weird. Sounds like yeah, a nice and night. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, it's like the most... 80s meal too i think they have like beef stroganoff or something (laughs) hey beef stroganoff's good man i could go for some beef stroganoff right now it's a very 1983 meal um and then uh and then uh that night he's sleeping and he has a dream Mm. that victor pascal with his brain hanging out yeah and his collarbone hanging out walks into his room and he's like come with me and Lewis is like, well, it's a dream. I might as well just go with them. And so he's like, I know, it's a dream. I'm going. And I, I wish I had thought that when I threw this blanket on the ghost in my dream. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, lucid dreaming. This is great. You should fly. Uh, yeah. Lewis, come on. Do do all the things that you want to do. Um, Victor walks out the door. He walks through the door, of course. Right, because he goes. And Lewis is like, oh, maybe I'll do that too. And he bangs into the door. So he has to like, <laughs> he goes outside. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, he follows Victor up to the pet cemetery. And he's, uh, and uh, where all those trees were. Yeah, the um, tree fall. On the, ones, the tree fall. It was now bones. Whoa, a bone fall. Like, Thro- throbbing and stuff. Ah, uh, that's the like worst kind weird. of weird. And then uh, he woke up the next morning. If you know what like, I mean. Throbbing bone. Oh, I see. I see. 
Um, and he wakes up the next morning. He's like, phew, thank God that was a dream. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's like, well, time to go downstairs. My wife is making me breakfast. He pulls up the covers. His feet are all muddy. Oh, he actually did it. He's like, what in the What? Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a trope now where you think it's a dream, and then right. usually it's something like muddy feet. Yeah, um, I think when this book came out, that that was probably like a mind blowing little twist, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. I feel like in the in the yeah like seventies and eighties, things being a dream was like a big trope, and it was you know that was like a twist on that trope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're like, oh, I saw this on Dallas. Right, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> JR like, oh, is not no. dead. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's where we're at, my friend. Oh, all right. End of part one. So we don't know what he got for breakfast. Eggs. Two eggs. Two, uh, in what way were they cooked? Scrambled. Okay, good. That actually was revealed in the book. <laughs> well, yeah, I would hope so with all this detail. Yeah. Um, I think that's what uh, actually Stephen King was criticized a lot for early in his career was like just a copious amount of detail. Yeah. But like, tough shit. I like like to read. I like more detail. I like like more words. Well, it sounds like you don't like the detail when it's about a man getting jerked off. (laughs) Yeah, no, I did. (laughs) Can I... Tom, do you want me to read you some of this scene? Yeah, if if you if I if you can handle it. Uh, let's see. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. <clears throat> she drew him an extremely warm bath. Now, what does undressed- extremely warm mean? Hot? It's <laughs> mm, good. That's a good. Uh, man, Stephen King, <laughs> shitty writer. Then undressed him slowly and shooed him into the water. She donned the slightly rough sponge glove that usually hung unused on the shower head, soaped his body gently, then rinsed it. He could feel the day, this first, this horrible first day, slipping slowly off him. Oh, she, she didn't gotten, jerk him off with that glove, did she? She had gotten quite wet, and her panties clung like a second skin. Uh... Lewis started to get out of the tub. Be- because of the, uh, what, the tub was spilling over? <laughs> Lewis started to get out of the tub, and she pushed him back gently. What? Now the s- sponge glove gripped him gently, gently but with almost unbearable friction, moving slowly up and oh. down. Rachel. Sweat had broken all over him, and not just from the heat of the tub. Shush. It seemed to go on almost eternally, he would near climax, and the hand in the sponge glove would slow, almost stop. Then it didn't stop, but squeezed, loosened, squeezed again until he came so strongly that he felt his eardrums bulge. Wow. I don't understand how don't, that I could, don't want to read that in a book. I don't understand how that could happen with a coarse sponge glove. Yeah, Sounds horrible. I, I'm thinking this is like one of those exfoliating gloves. Yeah. Wow. Well, a truly sick man, Lewis. <laughs> Gets off on pain. <sighs> wow. Well, uh, thank you very much for sharing uh, this filth with me, Tim. Right? I didn't expect And, like, this is the kind of thing that was always weird to me. Like, you'd read Michael Crichton, or, like, 
or Stephen King books when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. And like then stuff like that would happen once in a while. And oh, yeah. Like, oh, man. Remember, I think right after... Right after Jurassic Park came out, mm-hmm. Rising Sun came out, which yeah. is a way different book from Jurassic Park. I read Rising Sun in like fifth grade. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, and it's it about like a rape so investigation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it kind of messed me up a little bit. <laughs> C- couldn't have been more different from Jurassic Park. <laughs> right. Um yeah. And like our parents were like, hey, you got it from the library. And uh, how bad could it be? The dinosaur guy. It's the dinosaur <laughs> yeah. book guy. We watched the movie. It's big. Well, I mean, Steven that's Spielberg. what like uh, they don't really make many movies like they did in the 80s and 90s that were like meant for like older married couples to go see. Yeah. <laughs> that were like thrillers that would have like one or two sex, so- like softcore sex scenes. Yeah. Uh, that really had nothing to do with the plot were completely superfluous, but it was like, well, where else are you going to see naked people? Are you going to go to the newsstand and buy a porno magazine, you freak? Or go one of those, you know, uh, porno... Times Square Yeah, theater? go to some porn theater. It's like, nah, you come watch this. It'll seem reputable. You'll get a few minutes of uh, nudity, which, you know, is hard to come by nowadays. Not nowadays. Mm-hmm. But then, past nowadays, past the days. All right. Well. All right. Well, that's how movies worked in the nineties. So you learned something too. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying this book. I just hope there's no more sex scenes. I'm sure they. You know what? There's two sex scenes in the first uh, quarter of it. I'm sure that's it. Hey, if you're reading along, sound off in the comments. I like it. I like it when uh, when people are, yeah. are engaging a little bit on this. So, um, hey, you might just hear your comment read on the show. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all for this week. Uh, Tim, thanks for reading. Uh, uh, everybody listening, thanks for listening and uh, being a patron. Uh, we love you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>